We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she'll choose life. But they can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside them. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. The Bible, it's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. When you read or study the book of Judges, you find out God works. He's at work in people's lives when things are bad, when things are good. And uh, this is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and we want to share this in the book of Judges, but uh, also we got some things God's working in our lives today, and we thank God for that. Alex, have you heard about the great meeting that was taking place at Florida State University? Actually, I haven't. Tell oh, me about wow. It. Yes, this has been reported. It was the number two party school, according to their ranking, and they had 4,500 students just worshiping the Lord with hundreds being baptized. Again, uh, we just thank God Praise that God, God is moving. Uh, so people say, well, they didn't know exactly what was going on, but I praise God that God is moving in the hearts of those students, and uh, students are looking for something that is real, and Jesus Christ is real, and when they realize that, I think they'll respond. So, uh, yes, that's going on. Mm-hmm. You can find out about that, and I was just so thrilled to hear that. Uh, it, it was different than it was at Asbury. About Was mm-hmm. that two years ago, if I remember? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, it's still God moving in the hearts of those people. We pray that God would continue to do his work in people's lives and we want exploring the Word to do a work in people's lives because the Holy Spirit of God will take the Word of God and apply it to a person's life to change their lives. Alex, uh, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, isn't it? Well, it is. And praise God for the Word going forth and uh, the Spirit of God moving there at Florida State. And, you know, I've said this. I was uh, discussing this with some uh, pastor friends earlier this morning that young people are hungry for truth. I really do believe that, Bert. And uh, yes, just like in, in the book of Judges, we read about Israel again would do evil in the sight of the Lord, and then they'd cry out to God. I believe we're at one of these places where many in our nation, especially young people, they're, they're hungry for truth. They're hungry for God. Maybe they don't even know that much about Jesus yet, but we, no matter where we are, we need to be prayerful, we need to be sensitive and be used by the Holy Spirit of God, because there are people all around us that need to know the Lord, and they desire to know the Lord, if we would just tell them. Amen, Alex. And that's what we want to do at AFR and here on Exploring the Word. Uh, part, of, part of our mission is aiding the church in carrying the good news of Christ here and around the world. And we want to do that. And in the book of Judges, Alex, I, I know the theme of it. They did that which is right in their own eyes. But it, I also see something else. When people call upon the name of the Lord uh, in reality and uh, in truth, God responds. 
And here in Amen. chapter 11, we find out Jephthah being used of God. And, and I'm amazed at this guy. He was a, uh, uh, a someone that was discarded. He was someone that his brothers wanted to not even uh, acknowledge. He ran him out of town. But God had a place for him at, at his table. Alex, uh, Jephthah gives hope, should give hope to a lot of people. Well, exactly, exactly. So uh, we're midway through Judges chapter 11, and uh, the elders of Gilead said, you know, we're turning to you. Come and fight the Ammonites with us and for us, and you'll be head over all of us who live in Gilead. Jephthah answered, suppose you take me back to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? And they said, the Lord is our witness. Certainly, we will do as you say. Well, let's hope that's really the case. And, you know, when people make a vow like that, they need to stand by it. But Jephthah joins, and it's interesting, in verse 11, um, they repeat these words at a place called Mizpah. Do you remember Mizpah from the book of Joshua? I do, yes. Yeah, where where a vow was made. Yes. Actually, a vow about... Uh, an enemy, really, uh, you know, about the Lord do uh, to you if if uh, you and I ever lock horns again. <laughs> but there, it was a victory over the Philistines at Mizpah. But anyway, um, so Jephthah sends mis- um, missionaries, no, messengers to the Ammonites, says, hey, what did we ever do to you? <laughs> Essentially, wasn't it, really? It really was. He does. And notice what he does. Before warfare, he tries talking with them to having, having a common ground, and he gives good reasons why what they're saying is not true, Alex. Well, it's diplomacy. They accuse, they accuse Israel of taking some land when they came out of Egypt, and they went through Edom. But, you know, we've read about how you know, they did not take Mount Seir that was given to Esau and uh, the Edomites. And so they um, said, Let, let's go through your country to our own place. And the Lord God of Israel gave Sion and his whole army into Israel's hands and defeated them. Here, here's the bottom line. Um, the Amorites did not have just cause for fighting Israel. They did not have legitimate reason to do that. And uh, Jephthah brings brings this out. Do you think that what's going over in Israel today when Palestinians claim that they want from sea to the river, you know, they want all the land, uh, I could not help but, you know, look and compare what was said then and what is being said now. And he gives reasons. God's given us this land uh, it was taken in warfare that you started. You wouldn't let us through, and we took the land fairly in warfare. We've been here 300 years. <laughs> you know, if you had a claim on the land, you should have done that a long time ago. And well, uh, you know, so it, it's similar even today. Well, it reminds me, every now and then you'll see in the news that, like, somebody will break into somebody's house, and the homeowner defending their own home and property will maybe shoot or injure a burglar and then the burglar uh, you know sues the homeowner for assault or something like that 
that's how it is. You know, God, even today in the, the situations in the Middle East, yes, God loves the Arabic people. Muslims can be saved if they'll turn from Islam to Jesus Christ. But the land belongs to Israel from 3000 B.C. to the present day. And so, uh, you know, it's like the Ammonites here, they are the problem, and yet they're deflecting and they're accusing Israel of being the problem. But verse 32 says, you know, diplomacy doesn't work. So Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Aror to the vicinity of Mineth, or Mineth, as far as Abel, Keramim, and thus Israel subdued Ammon, in verse 33. Well, it's how it always works. I mean, goodness, Bert, if, if history has shown us anything, it would be this. You don't attack Israel. <laughs> Amen, Alex. Now, real quickly, before we go any further, I want to go back two different verses that I, I just could not uh, let pass, and this is it. Notice what uh, he says concerning their God. Their God could not deliver it to him. And the way the mid, uh, they thought, Amorites and others, they said, well, God, if God wanted your God wanted you to have the land, you would have had victory. But our God is the real God, and he's given us the victory. The other one is this, in verse 29, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. Now, Amen. There, there's two or three things that I think we need to discuss about that. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon an individual, and it seemed like he would depart for a while. In our day, for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for believers, he'll never leave us or forsake us. But notice, every time that I see in the book of Judges, and even elsewhere, where the Spirit of the Lord comes upon them, it's for a task. Here is Jephthah who has the task of, of fighting the Ammonites, and this task, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him for this job. In our day, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He stays with us all the time. But let me say this. At certain times when God has certain tasks for us, we have an unction from on high and anointing a <clears throat> extra portion of spirit where he gives us strength for the fight for the day. And so here the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah for this task. Uh, yes. Jephthah... Uh, he wasn't, he, yes, he was a warrior, and yes, he had brought this group of men together to fight, but at the same time, Jephthah realized that it was the Lord that was going to help him more than his skill. Alex, yeah. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. Preachers, teachers, whatever we're doing, uh, the Spirit of the Lord, without him uh, using us and, and going forth before us, uh, I it's it's. They may be a lot of skill, but there will not be a lot of the work of God in that uh, effort. Well, that's true, and thus we will come to a pretty famous part of the book of Judges. And like you say, it's it's the power is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord. It's not our own strength. It's not our own skill, and certainly it's not our own wisdom. And we're going to see here that um, you know even a spirit-filled man 
can say and do foolish things. You know, the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Look, God is with them. And they're, they're gonna, they've had victory over the Midianites. They're going to have victory over the Ammonites. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And I don't know if it was just the adrenaline or whatever, but uh, Jephthah makes a vow to God, and it was unnecessary and very unwise. He says, Lord, if you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And so they go and they have this battle. But when he, after the victory, goes home, uh, he's going to have a broken heart for that rash unwise, unnecessary vow, isn't he? He really is. And notice what it says in 33. The Ammon was subdued before the children of Israel. The victory was acquired. Jephthah goes home, and his daughter comes out to meet him with trembles and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had no, neither son nor daughter. Now, Alex, again, notice his reaction. He tore his clothes and alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me, for I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. Now, again, Jephthah, is, he regrets what he did, uh, but he had made that vow, and he said, I will not go back on it. Uh, Alex, again, Jephthah, I, let me call this a sin of presumption. You catch yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. He was presuming upon the Lord, trying to bargain with the Lord. Let me share with you. In your vows, try not to make it a bargain, if and if, and if so, do this. But say, Lord, I am yours. Use me. Don't go that way. Alex, this was not wise. Again, a spirit-filled man making our own decisions. We need to be careful. There's never a safe place for us just to speak carelessly, is there? No, there isn't. Well, we're going to continue in Judges 11 on Exploring the Word. Plus, take your Bible questions. Alex Burt here on the American Family Radio Network. Stay tuned. We want to welcome a new sponsor to American Family Radio, and I hope you give them your full support. That's Christian Healthcare Ministries, chministries.org. If you're like most of us, you're feeling the strain of rising healthcare cost. Well, good news. Christian Healthcare Ministries may be the answer you're looking for. CHM is an affordable, faith-based option to traditional health care that provides members the freedom to choose doctors without worrying about networks or waiting periods since they're not insurance. Can you say freedom? CHM is the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry and has been around for over 40 years helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. They're tried and true and have members in all 50 states and around the world and have covered billions in medical bills. Members not only get advantages from the affordability, flexibility, and reliability of CHM, but they also receive access to 24-7 telehealth services at no additional cost. It's no surprise that doctors across the country appreciate working with CHM, and so will you. Make the switch today. 
by visiting chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert, so honored that you're listening. Hey, a couple of big shout-outs. I want to say a big thanks to Pastor Mark Cowart at Church for All Nations. As I've done several times over the last few years, I'm using their conference room to do the program, and I'm speaking at a wonderful event tonight uh, here at Church for All Nations. If you happen to be in the area of El Paso County, Colorado Springs, I'll be up at 6.30 tonight speaking about America and God and country, and I'm actually going to be doing a talk on uh, artificial intelligence and how AI might impact the church. But a couple of things I want to mention, and we'll get back to Judges 11. Coming up, uh, I'm very excited. Um, March 20 through 23rd, I'm in Plainview, Texas. It's called the Plainview Area Awakening, and it's going to be in the arena at the, the Liner Center, uh, they're in plain view. It's going to be a, really a very big event, and we're excited about that. Please keep that in prayer. If you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and go to calendar, you'll see my schedule. Plus, July 12th through 14th, I'll be at The Cove, the Billy Graham Center in Western North Carolina. Love to see a lot of you there. But we got a lot of other things on the calendar, too, but uh, just keep us in prayer as we want to evangelize the lost and equip the saved. Bert, um, do you have some ministry opportunities I'm coming up? I'm still preaching at Fredonia Baptist Church every Sunday morning. Uh, until they get a pastor, I'll be there and yeah. uh, enjoying that. I just enjoy that interim work at one church while they're looking for their new pastor. And uh, God's called Jan and myself to do that, to try to do our best to encourage that church and also equip that church for the new ministry that God has for them, and so we're excited about that. Alex, I, I bet plain view is in plain view of everybody that drives in, right? I bet so. I, I you bet know, it is. I, I remember somebody said, we know what Plainview, Texas was named for. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. It's flat and plain, so we hope you have a great time out there. We hope it go, goes well. We really do. Well, I want to tell you, I've been so blessed all over the United States of America, but the the folks in Texas have been so good to me, so open to our ministry, and we've been to—I could do the whole show talking about Texas, but let let me say, there are some mighty men and women of God in Texas, and it's been my privilege in in many cities— to, to minister among them, see God at work, and Amen. I always love to go to Texas. I well, really do. We need to pray for them. There's a lot of wild fly, uh, fires out in uh, that part of Texas. I heard of that yeah. report this morning on American Family Radio that there's so many fires, and this is the time of year. Listen, folks, try not to burn. It's it's very dry, and the wind is is very severe so uh, just pray for those folks out in Texas where uh, those fires have been going. And uh, so, Alex, we'll pray that everything goes well. Well, we're back in Judges, 
and chapter 11, we're finished it. He comes in. He's won the battle, but he made a vow before he left that whatever he, when he returned, whatever, and that's the term, or who, what, or who, comes out that door, uh, he would offer to the Lord in a sacrifice. Now, Alex, I don't know if you read, I tried to read several commentaries on this, yes. and, and there's disagreement on the extent of what it was that, uh, or because if he made a vow for a sacrifice uh, over in the law, there was a way of financially, you know, paying your way out of it. You could pay yeah. uh, that. And so there's a lot of debate on what was the final result of this vow that Jephthah had made. Well, Bert, when we get to heaven, I'm going to tell you two people that are going to get rewarded for their obedience. One is Isaac, the son of Abraham, yes, and the other has got to be Jephthah's daughter. I agree with you fully. I, I thought of that too, man. Yes. They were very compliant, obedient kids. So he comes back and he says, you know, daughter, you've brought me low. Um, uh, I gave my word to the Lord that I would sacrifice. And it's the most bizarre thing. Lord, give us this victory. And the first thing that comes out of my front door, I will give to you as a burnt offering. Well, you're coming back, either your wife or children or something. So in verse 36, she says, Father, if you gave your word to the Lord, then do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth because the Lord did avenge you, the people of Ammon. But do this one thing. Let me take two months and go uh, mourn my virginity, that I'll never get married and have a family. And so he says, go away. And so she went away for two months to the mountains. Then she comes back. And it says he carried out his vow with her, which he vowed. She knew no man. Now, people wonder, uh, did it mean that she just didn't get married? Did it mean that he sacrificed her? Let me just say, this was not of God, you know? Uh, now, God is merciful. Um, some Jewish traditions say that she wasn't executed as a burnt offering. She just, you know, never did get married. But but here's the point. Um so somebody might ask, well, he made a vow to the Lord. Wouldn't it have been a sin if he broke it? A lot of people like uh, Robertson McQuilkin and Christian ethicist Bert, they would say that the highest moral um, obligation is the saving of human life. Now, the highest spiritual obligation is to know Christ and obey the Lord. But this is why... Um, it, it, it's heroic to run into a burning building to save a child. This is why it's heroic to spend decades praying for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, because the highest moral imperative is the saving of innocent life. So if Jephthah had, had gone to the temple and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm not going to carry this vow I made, it would have been okay, because... Uh, first of all, that vow wasn't even God's will anyway. And keeping uh, keeping a, a foolish vow, that would have not been preferable over the saving of human life, certainly the life of his daughter. So um, 
this is an unfortunate thing, and how it actually did play out completely, I don't know that we really know. Well, let me give you a thought and see what you think about it. I, I, again, you've presented it well. That's what we're stuck with because of an erroneous vow. But after it says, after he had, he, uh, which he had vowed, in verse 39, she knew no man. Now, again, they'd already talked about her being a virgin, and she was still a virgin. With that comment, it leans to me a view of the future that that yeah. was the price that she would pay and she and it became a custom in Israel and this is a celebration they wouldn't i don't think they would celebrate a death but they did celebrate her and what she had done now that's my thoughts doesn't make me right alex because yeah. there's different opinions on this and uh, i cannot imagine a priest uh, it would have been in Shiloh at that time if if he had taken his daughter down there and laid it on the altar of God and sacrificed her. Uh, no. They'd say, no, no. Uh, what you need to do is pay that price that that can be done. I forgot where that is in Leviticus somewhere. I was reading that and didn't jot it down. But uh, the price could be paid of redemption and not carried out. So that's I lean toward that, but I don't know for that, you know? Well, I don't think any Jewish priest would ever countenance that because one of the things that the people of the land were guilty of, uh, the the worshipers of Baal and Molech, uh, Philistines, Canaanites, they practiced child sacrifice. And so... There's no way that the God of Israel nor the priest of the God of Israel would have would have been party to a child sacrifice when that was one of the very indictments yeah. against the, the pagan people of the land. It really was. And so here it is. Notice verse 40, that the daughters of Israel went four days each year to lament the daughter of Jephthah, the Gideonite, uh, Gileadite. And so Alex Jephthah, he is mentioned in Hebrews, this one bad uh, time in his life, it, it brings some, some stain on it, but it did not keep him from being a man of faith. He's mentioned in Hebrews in that great chapter of faith. And so Alex Jephthah is, is a great hero, isn't he? He really is. He really is. And um, after this, we're going to get into Judges chapter 12. And there's more about Jephthah and the uh, Ephraimites, Uh, but there's also some minor judges, not insignificant necessarily, but we just don't know that much about them. Just like, you know, back in 11 yesterday, we, um, uh, Tobe and um, uh, another gentleman that we just didn't know a lot about. But um, in Judges chapter 12, it says that the men of Ephraim gathered together, crossed over toward Zaphon, said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the people of Ammon and did not call us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you with fire. Uh, Talking about rash vows, (laughs) hey, don't. Don't you oh, dare man. have a battle and not invite us. We're going to burn your house down. Oh, listen, this is the second time the people of Ephraim has done this. You know, they had yeah, done it earlier, yeah. and they're always second-guessers. After the battle is won, they want to enter on it, Alex. You know, oh, yeah. after they fought the battle, they're coming in, and, uh, and it says, And Jephthah said to them, 
My people and I were in a great struggle with the people of Ammon. And when I called you, you did not deliver me out of their hands. It wasn't you. You had the opportunity. I called all. You didn't get a, 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 a letter of invitation. It was a general invitation saying, all of you who would join me, join. And they did not do that, Alec. It was them. Here they are. Uh, they're the ones that's missed out on it, and they're blaming someone else. Well, uh, you know, football was invented in the uh, 1800s, but there were armchair quarterbacks even back in the Old Testament. <laughs> what wasn't there? that's a good illustration. That's good. And so when I saw th- that you would not deliver me, verse three, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the people of Am- Ammon, and the Lord delivered them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Now, again, this is unusual, but verse 3, uh, Jephthah throws out those personal pronouns. <laughs> he said, yeah. I was in, I invited, I was the one that did it, I did this, and God delivered me. Where were you, I think he's saying? Well, there's no saying. I'm, I'm from the South, by the way. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't tree the coon, so they shoot the dog that could, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I've seen this kind of thing before. I mean, look— it's amazing what you can do for God when you don't care who gets the credit. And so, uh, anyway, but Jephthah, ga- verse 4, gathers all the men of Gilead uh, and fought against Ephraim. And this is so sad. I mean, they've vanquished the uh, threat from without, and now they have to have almost like a civil war within. And, um, and the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim, and they said, You Gideonites are fugitives of Ephraim among the Ephraimites and all the Manassites. The Gileadites seized the fords of the Jordan before the Ephraimites arrived. So this is not only a, a land battle, but a water battle. And uh, any Ephraimite who escaped said, Let me cross over. The men of Gilead would say, Are you an Ephraimite? If he says no... Then they would say, Shibboleth, and I'm going to come back to this. Yeah. And he would say, Shibboleth, for he could not pronounce it right. See, he could be on exploring the word, <laughs> uh, a word that he didn't pronounce right. Hey, I, would, I relate to this. Now, those of you that are new, uh, Bert, that he's, I'm a true Southerner, and sometimes I have a hard time. Phonics, my wife tried to teach me phonics, and I just couldn't get it. I, so Shibboleth and Sibboleth. And they could yeah, catch. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there's a difference how you say it. They were trying to say it, but they couldn't say it the right way, correct? Well, that that's true, and 42,000 are going to die. Now, you know what's interesting to this day, and this is another example of an idiom, I-D-I-O-M, a saying like, you know, sow to the wind and reap a whirlwind and things like this. There, you don't hear it as much as you used to, but the word shibboleth, S-H-I-B-B-O-L-E-T-H, in more academic writing, like you're going to see this in something like The New Yorker or something. If somebody is criticizing somebody for something they say, uh, the word shibboleth is a word, it's really kind of a, 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 slam, a slam or a criticism. It, it, it gives you away. It shows where you're coming from. You know, if you, um, 
uh, it's if you embrace a slogan or something, they'll say, "Well, here he comes with that shibboleth," and it's it's not a compliment. It means something you've said has exposed who you are, or something like that. And and it goes all the way back to Judges chapter twelve. Uh, it's not a saying you hear often, but even to this day, uh, something straight out of the Bible is in the the common vernacular. The Word of God is powerful. And so what happened? 42,000 Ephraimites fell needlessly over them being, uh, it's hard for me to give the word that they were, uh, they selfish, ignored, uh, and they paid the price. Well, listen, we're going to take phone calls, Alex, and that number is 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. If you have a Bible question, we would love to hear it today, and we would love to talk with you here on Exploring the Word. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com. Now, back to the Bible study with Alex and Bert. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Exploring the Word is filled with the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel makes the way. There's only one way to Jesus Christ, and that is by grace through faith. And so we pray that you've trusted Jesus as Savior. If you haven't, we pray that you would. Ask him to be Lord of your life as you repent. Turn away from your way and go God's way, and and let him take over your life as Lord Alex, uh, it's always good to hear about people that are coming back to the Lord, coming to the Lord for the first time as they listen to AFR. Those are great, great words of encouragement for us, isn't it? Well, absolutely, and this is why we do what we do, not only exploring the Word, but I, I happen to know the heartbeat of all of the American Family Association is that people would come to Christ and be saved. Okay, well, we have callers in that number going to try to get to as many as we can. The number is 888-589-8840. And today, our first caller is Amanda from Georgia. Welcome, Amanda. Amanda, are you there? Okay. Okay, Amanda, you're on. Go right ahead. Amanda, are you there? Turn your radio off, Amanda. Okay. Are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can I now. Can you hear me? Yes, go right I'm ahead. So sorry about that. Thank you so much for taking my phone call. Um, I really enjoy listening to you guys uh, whenever I get the opportunity, and I just can't tell you how much the Lord has used you guys and, and the knowledge and the wisdom um, that you provide on your show. So thank you so much. Um, for doing that. Uh, my question is actually um, about Genesis 6. I was reading recently um, in Jude um, this week, and it led me to Genesis 6, where it talks about 
um, the sons of God seeing um, the the women on the earth and that they were fair. And I was just curious if you guys could um, expound on that at all. Okay, Amanda, thank you for calling. Alex, you said it, and I agree, this is some of the most difficult passages in Genesis chapter 6 to completely understand. Uh, now, again, I think location, wh- where something takes place, let me give a little bit of how you do Bible study. You look to see where it is, Old or New Testament. You look to see which part of the scriptures it in. Is it history? Is it prophecy? Is it is it prophet? Is it uh, poetry? Where is it? But this comes after chapter 5 where you have a whole list of the people of God and then the people of men. So it... it but it is at a strategic place, but it still is difficult to completely know for sure, isn't it, Alex? Yeah, and it says that uh, it came to pass when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth that, uh, you know, uh, daughters were born, and it says the sons of God, and they wanted to, uh, they saw that the daughters were beautiful, and they took of all of them wives for themselves. Now, the word wife there uh, is, uh, you know, a wife, you know, in every sense that we would think of that. But it goes on, you know, and it's talking about in verse 4 of Genesis 6, that there were giants in the land, and thus began, you know, uh, the discussion about what was this. And the word translated giants is the Nephilim. It's interesting there's a definite article. It doesn't just say there were giants, but there were the giants, the Nephilim. Now, um, the definition in the lexicon is, uh, you know, people before the flood and people after the flood. But the question is, were these like fallen angels that tried to um, have babies with human females? And Bert, let me just say that um, I don't think that's possible. Now, what, whatever they were, um, and many people think they were just sinful, you know, carnal, sinful people from the line of Seth. And I've, I've had a lot of people say that they disagree with what I'm about to say, but Bert, the Bible says everything reproduces after its kind. And I know Satan is a great deceiver, but I just don't know that I can believe the Bible you know, insinuates angels could impregnate women. I, I just don't see that. Well, Jesus told them when the uh, Sadducees came to Jesus and gave him that story about a woman marrying a man and then a brother, a brother, seven brothers, whose wife would she be in heaven? And And Jesus said, do you not know the scriptures that angels neither marry? You know, uh, they do not marry, are given in marriage. And so I think it lends itself to fallen angels having, doing the same. That's my opinion as well. But uh, Amanda, it is still one of those areas that there are disagreement on, but it's a place where you don't have disagreement so much that you discard everything that somebody believes. So thank you for your call. Let's go next to Louisiana. Caleb, thank you for calling Exploring the Word. Yes, hello guys. Uh, I was my comment was just uh, you know possibly Hannah Elkanah's wife 
dedicating Samuel to the Lord, maybe similar to uh, Jephthah's um, sacrifice to God. But I, I don't know. I don't know all the Hebrew or Greek or whatever, but or the, or the Aramaic. I don't know if it all translates, but could that possibly be about the same thing? Caleb, I, I've 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 done some research, and there are some people that agree with that. It's on a different level. And I think it's a different level of understanding. Uh, but you do admire Hannah for what she did. And Alex, would you do you draw any comparison there? Yeah, and this is in First uh, Samuel chapter one. That that's a great thing. I just uh, we don't want to make the Bible say less than what it says, and we don't want to make the Bible say more than what it says. And just like um, I, I do think Jephthah's daughter, at the very least. Lived, lived out her life um, in reverence to God and obedience to her father, didn't get married. I just don't think Jephthah, I don't think the larger community would have allowed him to execute his daughter in spite of the fact that he made a rash vow. And like with um, Hannah dedicating Samuel to the Lord, and Samuel obeyed and became a great prophet, Jephthah's daughter obeyed and was commemorated in a festival. But um, I think there is a similarity. The only difference is Hannah's was very wise and very godly, whereas Jephthah's was rash and unnecessary. Uh, Be careful with your vows. Uh, Let me just throw this in for family relations. Uh, When you disagree with someone and uh, don't you, please be careful. Say, if you do that, I'll never have anything to do with you. If you say those words... Be careful. Just just draw back. Uh, let Count to 10. Alex, I, I know that yeah. doesn't work, but be careful with those rash statements and vows. Uh, I think we do learn that from what we hear about Jephthah. Caleb, thank you for your comment, brother. Let's go to Texas. Terry, thank you for calling Exploring the Word. Hey, how are you all doing today? Doing well. Good. Thank you for calling, man. What part of Texas? Are you in the east or west, Mark? No, I'm I'm in what's called North Central. I'm in McKinney, Texas. Okay, know where that is. Go yeah, ahead. If we went forty, if we went forty miles north, we'd raise the IQ of Oklahoma. <laughs> okay, we're not going to get into the Red River of rivalry. Go ahead, Terry. No, 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 no. This is this is not a Friday morning. Uh, you bet your life. <laughs> oh man, what? Yeah, go ahead with your question. Yeah, question I've got, uh, and it's kind of you know bewildered me. And the only place I've seen it is um, in Matthew twenty-eight. I'm sorry, twenty-seven, fifty-two, and fifty-three. Uh, when the uh, when Christ was resurrected, uh, the tombs were open, and many bodies and saints and people had fallen asleep and death were raised to life. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many. Um, and that's kind of the end of the story. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering what your feedback is on all that. Great question. Alex, this is another, we're getting, uh, from Genesis six and then here in, in Matthew about those that were raised questions about, we don't know everything about it. We know what happened, but we can't put it all together. Go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, Matthew 27, 51 through 54 is a very fascinating passage about, you know, the sky became dark, there was an earthquake, the veil of the temple was torn, and then it says after Jesus' resurrection, uh, some of the saints were raised, uh, went into Jerusalem, the holy city, and appeared to many. And Bert, um, do you remember how Jesus, in the realm of the dead, preach to the spirits in prison. In a way, I think this is like a testimony in the spiritual world and in the physical world. Christ is risen. Salvation is is accomplished. The atonement is accomplished. And just like in a way, all right, Ezekiel 37 talks about the dry bones that raise up and live. And then Christ rose and some of the saints raised up and lived um, and Israel, the dry bones of Israel, were given life again in May 14 of 1948. And we can know that Christ is coming back and he will restore all things. Do you think, in a way, just like the empty tomb is a witness to the resurrection, I think those saints appearing in the holy city was a witness to Christ's true messiahship and the coming kingdom of God? In a way, that's just one more proof God gave about the reality of Jesus and his message and ministry. I agree with you fully, and we know they were raised. The issue is, okay, did they stay raised and they died again, or did they just walk around for a while? Notice what the terminology is, and again, that's that's what you do. You look at the terminology, you look at what's before and what's after. We're talking about some things that were happening that were unusual. We're taught they're miraculous. First, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, when you know how high it was and how thick it was, no man could do that. And if man were to do it, they would do it from the bottom to the top. So that was a phenomenon that, and then the earth quaked and then the rocks were split. These are all resurrection phenomena of Jesus' resurrection. Again, Alex, I agree with you, affirming, affirming who Jesus is and what he is doing, and the graves were opened. We don't know how many, and many, however many is, bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Now, that they were raised for sure. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, appeared to many, here's the idea. Did they appear for a long time or a short period of time? I I tend to believe they were raised, and similar to, I would say, uh, you know, just like, uh, you know, uh, Mary and Martha, as they would see their brother, Alex, he, he, Mm -hmm. he died twice. I think these may have died twice as well, but that's just speculation. Right, right. Well, and, and, you know, there is just one of those things that, that we don't know, Lazarus having to die again. I don't know, Moses and Elijah in the tribulation, they get raptured to heaven. And maybe when Christ ascended in Acts chapter 1, maybe these saints ascended to heaven with him. That's a possibility. Again, these are things unknown, and uh, that's what's part of what's going to be great about heaven. Uh, These questions that I've had can't answer. I hope to know one day. That would be glorious. Thank you, Terry. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to James. Thank you, James, for calling. 
Yes, sir. Thank you very much for, for taking the call. <laughs> sir, I would like to know, there's a scripture that uh, I had a, a pastor show me one time that I've been trying to find. Uh, it may not say it just like I'm fixing to say it, but it more or less says that uh, God may let uh, our good would maybe uh, let Satan take your life so that he can regain your soul. Do you know where that's at? Okay, is that what he said something to the Corinthians, Alex? Am I on target with that? What um, it turned over to Satan? Yeah, uh, like in first. Uh, well, I was thinking about First Corinthians three fifteen, saved so as by fire. But um, yes, let me think here. Messenger of Satan to buffet the body, so the person, the soul is saved, even yeah. though they. Um, really suffer for their own sin right right that's that's what i was thinking and and again we find out even with peter uh when jesus said now judas was going to betray him peter deny him i don't put those on the same level at all but it was god jesus said to peter when you are delivered go and strengthen the brethren and it says satan has desired to sift thee as wheat let me First say this, Jane. Yeah, go ahead, Alex, for your... 1 Corinthians 5.5. 5, okay. Hand, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. And and so here with Peter, uh, Satan wanted to sift him, and he wanted to hurt him, not for good, but God used it for good for Peter. And so there in Corinthians, it was very, very... Uh, the Corinthians had a lot of things that were wrong with their life in Christ, didn't they, Alex? Well, they, they really did. And, you know, what that is talking about, you know, one that is in the church but in sin, causing trouble, you know, maybe he's put out of the church. Let him go off on his tangent of sin so that hopefully he would eventually come to repentance and be saved rather than cause trouble. Bert, that's tough love church discipline yeah. you don't see that much these days do not you? anymore but it's always for god's purposes is for redemption we need to have that in mind as well it may be tough love but it is for the purpose of redemption well we're going to be back tomorrow with more of the book of judges we look forward to that don't we alex we do folks thanks for listening to exploring the word and we encourage you tell somebody about the american family radio network tell somebody about exploring the word most of all though Tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, Preborn and Christian Healthcare Ministries. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without our help. Will you head over to preborn.com slash AFR and sponsor an ultrasound? Christian Healthcare Ministries is the longest-serving healthcare cost-sharing ministry helping Christians pay for and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. Visit chministries.org slash AFR. That's chministries.org slash AFR.